Morning, church. It's always such a privilege to just stand here and just be able to, to minister the Word of God. Um, Brent is uh, all the way in Upangeni. He's ministering in solid ground. Um, so he does um, send his regards. He does send his love. Um, and with that being said, let me just jump straight in. So with regards to reading books, um, you know, from grade R up until I finished my diploma, um, I've read like zero books out of personal interest. Honestly, I just didn't find them interesting. But from the moment I graduated up until this year, I've read about plus minus 50 books. I know some of you have done like a thousand or whatever. Good for you guys. But for me, 50 is quite um, an achievement. And the question is, what basically changed? What changed from getting to a point where I did not like reading books to a point where I've read 50 plus books? Well, the reality church is my why changed. In terms of reading books, my why changed. And just to help you explain this, is, uh, there's this author called Simon, Simon Sinek. And uh, he has a TED talk where he talks about find your why. And then he talks about how uh, most of us know what to do. Some of us might know how to do or you know, whatever we do, what we do. But most of us really know why we do what we do. So, for example, even in like a workplace or even in business, if you own a business, you know, as a business owner, why does your business exist? Profit is not why you exist. There has to be a reason, you know, in terms of why you exist. So I was reminded as I was pondering this, and I realized when I was in school, I was always told what to read, which was Shakespeare, which I never understood, and I was told how to read, but I was never really told why I need to be reading. And that is why when I eventually found my why, it was easy for me to read a lot of books. So if I had to use another example, an example that all of us might understand, let's talk about health. You know, if, if your health is, is quite good, you know, you, what, what you eat and how you live your life doesn't really matter, you know. You can do whatever you want. But if the doctor sits with you and says, your life depends on you eating X and Y, guess what? that point where now your life depends on eating veggies or whatever the doctor says, that becomes your new why. And because that becomes your new why, what you eat and how you live your life basically changes. And that is, that is why it's important for us to find our why. But the reality is, if I had to do an interview and sit with each and every one of you and ask you about your personal whys, you might give me a lot of stories. But this morning, I'm not talking about whatever whys that you guys might have. I'm talking about the ultimate why that connects each and every one of us. And I'm actually quite encouraged just by this entire service at how from a point of worship up until now, it just made it easy for me as I'm standing here because this entire service was just Jesus-focused, Jesus-focused, Jesus-focused. And that is the ultimate why that I want to talk about this morning. So Luke 5 verse 1 to 11 says, One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, Great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. And I love this point where it shows the hunger, it shows the desire that people had for the word of God. Just to give you a bit of context at this point in time, there was a 400-year gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So we can see by people pressing in on Jesus, trying to listen to the word of God, we can see that there was that hunger um, from the people at that point in time. And then verse 2 says, he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out to the water. 
So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Now this is quite an interesting thing where when Jesus speaks, this is quite key for us to understand because one of, this, one of the disciples, John, actually gives us an amazing clue which, which, which actually makes this quite um, important. John had a revelation that Jesus' time did not begin when he was born. Jesus was actually there from the beginning of time. He had a revelation that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. And if we go back all the way to Genesis, we know that the world or creation was created through God speaking. And then John had that revelation that through him, which is Jesus, everything was created. So every time God said, let there be light, let, let this happen, we see how it's giving us a clear picture that Jesus carries the power, Jesus carried the authority to execute the will of the Father. And this is quite key for us to understand. And then verse 5 um, says, Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. So this is quite funny because, I mean, from Peter's point of view, he's just seeing that this is an ordinary man that is speaking to me. He does not realize that the same authority, the same power that created this world was basically actually speaking to him. And let's see what happens in verse 6 when the same authority, when the same authority, which is the word Jesus, speaks into our lives. So verse 6 says, And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boats, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he, for he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James, John, and the, the sons of Zebedee were also amazed. So at this point, we see how Peter recognizes the identity, recognizes the authority of this man that just spoke to him, and this man is Jesus. Not only that, but this power and authority brings Peter to a point of repentance, to a point of repentance, brings Peter to a point of um, being on his knees. And here's the key verse that I want to really spend time on. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you'll fish for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. I love that. They left everything and followed Jesus. I mean, this doesn't make sense, right? I mean, for Peter... This was such a good day at the office. I mean, he's such a fisherman. He's sitting there with two, with two boats full of fish. Why do you come to shore and forsake and leave everything? I mean, verse, seven, once, verse 11 reminds us, as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Well, basically the question is, what changed? Peter came face to face with the only why, with the only why, that matters. Peter found the only why that matters. And, and the question maybe you might be sitting there asking yourself is, but what made him walk away? 
What is the it? What is the thing that made Peter walk away? So here's the reality. When we, when we come face to face with Jesus, basically our hearts, our souls, and our mind is basically transformed. The three things that I just mentioned now are the very basic essence of who you are. Our hearts, our soul, and our mind. If you go back to Exodus, you will notice that when you, when you, if we look into our hearts, you know, the Bible always says Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and that is why he did not let the Israelites go. If we, if we look into our minds, we see how David had to always play that harp to keep Solomon's, uh, Saul's mind, to keep, he had to play the harp to keep um, Saul's mind to always be sane, otherwise he would go mad. Church, our souls, our minds, our hearts, if those things are not changed, that is why we'll find ourselves staying where we are. If those things are not transformed, if those things are not changed, if Jesus doesn't touch those essence into our hearts, that's why we, we will think we're Christians and go back to a life of what we used to do. So basically, Jesus is the only person that repairs, restores, and replenishes our hearts, our souls, and our minds. And then this process where Jesus is repairing, restoring, replenishing our minds, this is the process where now Jesus is reprioritizing our what in our lives. He's reprioritizing our how in our lives. It's quite key that Jesus touches the three areas in our lives. Otherwise, our hearts, our souls, and our minds will not be transformed. So that's basically what makes Peter walk away from a good day at the office. And the best way this is explained is in Matthew 5, Jesus says, come, follow me, and I will make you um, a fisherman of people. So what is the why? Jesus. What is the what? Fish for people. And how are you supposed to do this? You just follow me, and I will make you a fisherman of people. Church, the making is in the following. When we find our why, when we live a life focused on Christ, we stop worrying about what we do. We stop worrying about how we are going to get there, and we just rest assured that as we pursue the shepherd, as we follow Jesus, the making is in the following. And the interesting thing is this picture hasn't changed for us. Yes, we're talking about Peter at this point in time, but this picture has not changed for you and I this morning. The Great Commission in Matthew 28 says, Jesus says, I have given you all authority in heaven. Therefore, go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what's interesting thing, the interesting thing about this verse was towards the end, Jesus starts by saying, I have given you authority. And then he ends by saying, rest assured that I am with you. So once again, what or what should be our why? Jesus, what are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be making disciples. How are we supposed to be doing this? Well, Jesus gave us the authority. Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit and gave us Jesus, gave us the assurance that he will be with us till the end of days. So ultimately, church, Jesus is our ultimate why. And at this point in time, I wish I could say this is where we close the books and go home and life is good. But we need to understand that, yes, we can find our why. Jesus doesn't change. But if we're not careful, we can get complacent 
we can change. Just to share something simple, I mean, I actually grew up with perfectly good eyesight. I, I, never, I actually never uh, wore glasses up until four or five years ago. And the reason with that was, as a child, my parents would always warn me, hey, just stop, stop, stop spending too much time playing video games. Stop spending time, you know, um, looking at the screen. And over time, my eyesight deteriorated, and I got comfortable with the vision that I had. I actually thought my eyesight was normal, up until I had to get a new pair of glasses, and I realized that I had to be reframed so that my eyesight can get back to the original state that the Lord gave me when I came to this good earth. So similarly, uh, church, when we're walking this journey with Christ, yes, we can find our why, and Christ can change our what and our how. But if we are not careful, if we are not careful, we'll become complacent, and slowly our perspectives start to drift. Slowly we forget that the making is in the following, and we start choosing the direction um, for ourselves in our own personal lives. And just to share something that happened to me um, earlier this, this year where I had to get reframed, where basically my heart and my mind had to be um, reframed. So earlier this year, work got a bit um, demanding. Uh, my responsibilities basically um, grew. And uh, just out of vulnerability, I, I suffered from confidence issues. I just felt that um, I wasn't good enough. And while I was dealing with confidence issues, um, I had to deal with just grief from a friend of mine. And I was just struggling to process that. And once again, while dealing with confidence issues at work, dealing with grief from a friend, I just felt that I wasn't good enough as an elder. You know, there was just so much things that was happening in the life of the church. And I and just honestly standing here in front of you, I just felt that I wasn't good um, as an elder. And then this spun me in an area where I just found myself obviously working long hours because that's what we do as human beings. Um, when we're going through stuff, we just throw ourselves into something else. So I found myself working longer hours um, and not making enough time for the things that really matter. Even in our own connect group, uh, there was a point where Grace had to uh, bail me out because I just wasn't there mentally. I was basically withdrawn. And this is something that I was going through. And so obviously in the past couple of weeks, just going through this emotion of once again, confidence issues, dealing with grief, and just not feeling that I'm good enough. Um, I decided, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna walk away from youth ministry. Youth ministry is something that God had threw me in, or God, uh, basically when the making was in the following, God showed me that I need to be in youth ministry because I got three different words from three different people saying, you have a father's heart. And that's why I found myself in youth ministry. But then now I'm finding myself the same thing that God called me to do. I'm sitting there saying, I need to actually cut that out because I just don't have time for youth ministry. So what happens is one Friday evening, um, I come to youth and I'm like, this is definitely going to be my final youth ministry. So normally I'm in the front as we worshiping, as we preaching and whatnot. But that particular Friday, I was sitting right there in the back. I was, I was just I was just not there. I was like, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to be here anyway. So I sat right there in the back, and I truly believe that that day God sent storm. I, I don't know why, but I still believe God sent storm that day. And storm was singing the song, um, your love uh, you know, brings me to my knees. And as I was sitting there, I was just reminded about once again Luke 5, and how when Peter encountered Christ, when Peter encountered Jesus, the word says he went down on his knees and realized how good 
God is. So as I was sitting in that corner, I just, my eyes were basically watery, and that's basically code for saying I was actually crying. Um, I was just sitting there reminded that it doesn't matter what you're going through, but God is good. God is good. And basically, if I can just put what I was going through in words that you guys will understand, and it's something that you guys will probably be also um, understand in your own lives, I realized that I had stopped walking and I started camping in valleys. Psalm, Psalms 23 verse 4 says, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. So church, I found out that I thought I was walking, but I realized that my heart, my soul, and my mind was actually camping. And then what basically happens is, and I love what Kia Taylor said. Kia Taylor once said in our men's meeting that if you're wounded or if you're in a dark place, that wound or the dark place is basically like a city. You know, you can actually call it Woundville. So basically what happened, if I had explained, was I was walking, and then I just took a break. And I thought I took a break, but I didn't realize that that break became a camp. That camp became a house. That house became a small town. And then before I know it, the small town became a bigger city. And then we know that when you are in a big city, it feels big, it feels overwhelming, you feel lonely, you feel like you cannot get out of there. And I remember the, and I remember the words of Keir Taylor. He says, if you find yourself in that space, the only way to get out of the dark place, and once again, dark places or dark valleys could be areas in your life where there's no breakthrough. Maybe there's no breakthrough in terms of finances. Maybe there's no breakthrough in terms of life, in terms of relationships, in terms of marriage, in terms of a job. Keir Taylor said, when you find yourself in those valleys, the only way out of the town is to find the highway that leads out of there. Because if I had to ask you a question, what is the fastest way to get out of Richards Bay? You'd probably say the John Ross Highway, because that's the fastest way to get out of um, Richards Bay. You're not going to take back alleys and whatnot. That takes too much time. You find the highway that leads straight, to town, straight, straight out of town. And that highway, church, is Jesus Christ. That highway, friends, is Jesus Christ. So I realized that my situation had slowly but surely started, change, started changing. Jesus did not change. Jesus stayed the same. But because of complacency, my situation started changing, and I needed to be reframed. And just to understand, what, is, what does God say about this? What does God say if you find yourself in dark valleys, if you find yourself, or if, you, if you find that your hearts, your minds, and your soul are camping. What does the word of God say if you find yourself in that situation? So Philippians 6, uh, sorry, Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And I love this last line. It says, his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. I love that. His peace, God's peace, will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. So basically, I like how you guard, or you guard what you want to protect. And it's quite key for us to understand that God's peace is what guards our hearts. God's peace is what guards 
our mind. And you might be asking, what's, why do we need to guard our hearts? Where Luke 6 verse 45 says, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil from the same treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Church, we need to understand our hearts need to be guarded. Because if we start speaking negativity, guess what? Negativity is what's in our hearts. If we start speaking death and gloom, guess what? That's what's sitting in our hearts. And another question you might be asking is, why then should we also be guarding our minds? Well, Romans 12 verse 2 says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. The big idea that Paul is trying to tell us is how we think determines who we become. How we think determines who we become. And if we do not let God's peace guard our hearts and our minds, guess what? We speak negativity. We think negativity. And ultimately, that's who we become. And then the question then would be, what is the biblical response? What can we do this morning if we find ourselves drifting, if we find ourselves, if we find our hearts, our minds, our souls camping in valleys? Well, there's just one response just based on Philippians, that we run. Church, we run to the Lord with prayer. I was quite encouraged um, this, this Friday when we were at Burn, and uh, I was part of a, a group, and we were praying. It was quite good how we worshipped. But I saw firsthand once again, time and time again, that when you run to the Lord through prayer, his peace that surpasses all understanding is there to guard our hearts and our minds. I was standing there as we were praying, and uh, there was just a couple of youth, and there was a common theme when each youth was praying, and the common theme was, protect my dad, protect my mom. Father, my mom is depressed, please protect her. Church, there is no other way to get out of Woundville than running to the Lord in prayer and allowing his heart, allowing his peace to guard our hearts, to guard our soul, and to guard our minds. So church, when we find Jesus um, through faith in him, Jesus becomes our ultimate why. Jesus becomes Lord over our lives. And then we get a privilege, church, to pray. We get a, a privilege to talk to our Father in heaven. And as we do this every day, as we talk to our Father in heaven, as we pray to our Father in heaven, his peace continuously guards our hearts and our minds and church. I'm just praying that you catch the heart of why it is important to continuously develop a habit of talking to your dad. It's not just for us to offload what we feel we want to say to him. Similarly, when we talk to our dad, his peace continuously washes over us and protects our hearts and protects our minds. I'll just ask you to just stand it. start to stand. And just in closing, I was um, just thinking about this, this journey in terms of reframing our why and why it's important to find our why and not actually lose it. Um, I've had the privilege um, to work with people that were basically retiring. My first five years of working was spending time with people um, that were actually getting to a point of retirement. And when I spoke to a lot of people, there was a common thread once again. People would say, I, I, I've dedicated 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and I don't like who I became. You know, that's something that I'd hear. 
you know, I'd, I'd, I'd sit there and I'd, I'd see people saying, you know, Chairs, once again, I've dedicated 20, 30 years, and I feel that once I sign on that paper, what I thought was my why becomes nothing. Church, I believe this morning that the Holy Spirit has been pressing in our hearts so that we ultimately get to get our why. I just pray that we don't get to find ourselves climbing a ladder and living this thing called life only to get to the top and realize that you were climbing the wrong ladder. And I've seen this in my own personal life with my mom. I think most of you will notice I don't talk much about my mom because what had happened was she spent most of her life working shifts. So we've always lived past one another. We, there's just no relationship between me and my mom. And that's something that we are working on because, once again, um, the work or what she did basically dictated how she lived her life and how she, you know, and what she did. And then that costed the relationship between me and my mom. And I'm saying this, church, because I don't want this to happen to you. I don't want you guys to live a life where you're chasing a why that does not matter. The only why that matters is Jesus Christ. And this morning, once again, if you've never found Jesus Christ, I'm praying that you get to find the only why that matters. But once again, if you actually are a Jesus follower, and just like me, your heart and your mind started to camp, started to drift, I'm just praying that you get reframed this morning and realize that it's not too late to run to your father in prayer and talk to him. Father, I just pray this morning. Firstly, I just pray for a heart of repentance. Father, just like how when you revealed yourself to, to Peter, your power, your authority dropped him to his knees because he realized that you are sovereign, that you are loving. And Father, for each and every one that has never met you this morning, Father, I pray that this morning they are able to, to experience you, to experience your goodness, to experience your mercy, to experience your grace. And Father, for those that have been following you, for those that have gone a journey with you and along the way, something just happened. Father, I just pray that they run to you. Father, I'm just reminded uh, at, the end of, at, at the end of John, in John 21, um, when Peter also felt that he had disappointed you, for those that feel that they've disappointed Christ or they've disappointed you, Father, I'm reminded how you reinstated him and all you did was you just asked him, do you love me? That's all you said. You never reminded him of what he did. You never made him feel any less of a man or any less of a woman. All you said was, do you love me? And Father, I just pray that the same question is something that we this morning can wrestle with and ask ourselves, are we still in love with you? Are we still behind what you have called us to do? Are we still following? Have we forgotten that the making is in the following? And if we have, Father, I just pray, forgive us our sins this morning. Forgive us this morning. Father, I pray this morning for each and every one that's here. I pray in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Scott. Thanks, Chaz. Once you agree, that was a, a great message this morning. Hope you feel encouraged. And uh, just one thing, you know, as I was listening to Chaz, he, he spoke about us always trying to climb a ladder to get closer to Jesus, when Jesus actually climbed down the ladder to be closer with us here. And uh, so just take heart in knowing that Jesus has climbed down to be with you where you are right now. And uh, so if that message resonated with you this morning, then Chaz would love to pray with you.
on my right-hand side, on your left-hand side, on the, on the red carpet. If you need some prayer for, for healing, we'd love to pray. We'd have a team available that will pray with you this morning. Other than that, then I'd encourage you to stick around for a few minutes, enjoy a cup of coffee, enjoy a cup of coffee.